Welcome to From Dream to Silver Screen, the podcast that follows the whole journey of making Wagyu Films' debut movie, Patriarch. The team are going to take you through acquiring funding, pre-production, filming, editing, visual effects, and even selling the film, all while providing hours of advice for filmmakers, actors, and crew, with hopefully a few laughs along the way. This podcast is sponsored by Zimplify, sales and marketing automation software that helps your business grow fast. Go to Zimplify.com forward slash Patriarch to get 20% of your first three months. That's Z-Y-M-P-L-I-F-Y dot com forward slash Patriarch. We're also sponsored by Mostly T-Shirts Mostly dot com. Fun and random T-Shirts and hoodies for real film fans. See if you can get the references. Visit Mostly T-Shirts Mostly dot com to buy your next favorite T-Shirt. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast again, guys. My name is David Roberts. I'm the director of Patriarch, and I'm joined here today. Right, everybody keeps telling me how terrible I am at actually getting around the whole table without messing up one name or job title. Do you think? Do you think I can do it, or would you rather say your name and your job title like it's an AA meeting? No, I would prefer you to do. I want yes, Grand Granger. I feel I feel like someone <laughs> when you uh, introduce me. Okay, and first say there's, there's a lot of pressure when you just go hi. Okay, so firstly, we'll introduce Mr. Sean Bishop. He's the director of photography on Patriarch. Hi. There you go. Uh, Mr. Scott Bishop, no relation uh, (laughs) (laughs) to anybody apart from Sean, who is the post-production and visual effects supervisor. See, I've fucked that up already because I can never remember, is it visual effects first? Or post-production. I don't think, really well, I don't think anyone would have noticed, but you just made that a big deal. He's just yeah, the guy. He's going to be doing everything. He makes, me, he makes everything yeah. that Sean does <laughs> look good. Yeah. <laughs> whenever, whenever we go short, uh, Scott will fix that. Yeah. Scott's like, we'll fix that in post. That's uh, Scott's The job. professional cloud guy. That's the... Hmm. Add more. Add more cloud. Smoke. Add more, more cloud. That, Scott? More smoke, please. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's me. No more smoke. Uh, and... Production designer, Keith Lupton. Hello, hello. Wow, that, that was too much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm buzzing, the sun's out. <laughs> Is it? Right, so what we're talking about today, guys, after that very long-winded introduction, um, is how to pretty much develop the best script possible. So we're going to talk a little bit about the writing of um, Patriarch. I would recommend listening to our how to get your film funded podcast that was just myself and scott because we talk a lot about the script from a kind of a production standpoint but we, what we're going to talk about is how look we've got some questions about the patreon script and then we're going to give you a load of pointers which is basically when you're writing your own script how to a improve the quality of it you know how to improve the dialogue the structure and b um how to maybe get it done quicker because it's, it's sometimes it's not particularly short process but sometimes it's 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 getting it finished is if if anybody out there has a finished uh screenplay you should really give yourself a pat on the back because that's that's the the first tricky thing is actually just finishing one there's not many people in the world who can actually say they've finished guarantee your film won't look the same no yeah yeah, it won't it won't (laughs) guarantee your film will look what you've written (laughs) so we'll start so i'll try and i'll so if anybody's not yet know what the story of Patriarch is, I'll do a little log line for it just so for it. So basically, Patriarch is... Um, so there was kind of this kind of cataclysmic disaster at this scientific research facility uh, causing all life in about, you know, 100 miles. Uh, all li- it just wipes out all life around 50 miles, 100 miles of and causes a kind of a quarantine zone in an area of North Wales. 
and then the kind of uh, the military patroller, nobody ever comes in and out. And seven years later, without incident, a lone scientist kind of is found walking out of the quarantine zone, terrified, but without a scratch. And so the film's all based around an, an interrogation with an MI, MI5 officer trying to explain where this person's been, why is he acting so strange, and why is he talking about the end of everything. So... Um, yeah, so it's that's, very, a, that's a nice little rundown. There you go. So it's very where, like did the, like where did the original idea and concept <laughs> come from, Dave? Um, well, I think it originally came from, well, kind of going back to, we, ne- we wanted to produce a film that we could do. So that, that was my kind of brief was to write, go away and make a script we can do. And I think we've got a lot of uh, what we did was very making it practical and and we wanted to do kind of a dark thriller with horror elements and sci-fi elements, but without aliens, without... There's too many zombie things. Uh, we do get a, a lot from our social media. I think we do get a fair bit of... Because our social's always covered in people wearing gas masks in it, so a lot of, a lot of people, I think, think it's a zombie film of some kind. But weirdly, with our film, it's only like the last 10 minutes, which has anybody wearing masks, really. Um but it's, I think it's more from a love of things like old school sci-fi, which is kind of a bit more smarter and clever and weird, you know, like X-Files and The Twilight Zone and uh, Twin Peaks, I wouldn't really say sci-fi, but you know that strangeness that you don't really get get enough anymore? Yeah, and um, but there is obviously a long, deep love of things like aliens, you know, which is just awesome excitement, suspense, a bit of horror in there. Um, so it's kind of wanted to do a mixture of the two. So you want a film which is kind of strange and well-made and not arty, but, you know, like uh, visually stunning, but also has a bit of the excitement and things of things like aliens. And so, what, you know, when you, you sat down, with, you, you know, we talked about how you wanted to make a film that we could make. Where did, where did you start with just putting things down on paper? Um. Well, I think because we've because we've been doing it for so long as a production company doing our commercial stuff, it kind of gets to a point where you think, even though we have got the gear and the experience and things like that, you still think, oh no, that's we're not from Hollywood, and you know we're not. That's for other people, you know, because we were just always, you know, you always taught that that's maybe not for uh, lads from Cornwall or lads from Rilla, North Wales, or lads from Heighton and Mersey. It's just kind of. That's for other people, you know. But I remember it was really around the time watching, it's weird, but just watching Monsters, the making of uh, Gareth Edwards' film Monsters, because that film was so, so kind of... And it, and this is, I think it's a brilliant film. It's actually beautifully made. Visual effects is really great. The acting's amazing. And it's so kind of, I don't want to use the word thrown together, but, but it was very inspiring. Inspir- the cameras they were using were not, particularly impressive they were kind of at the time kind of similar to the ones we were using for more kind of commercial stuff uh, but just with better lenses on them and things like that so that actually kind of says oh we we can do it then that's what we just need more practice and obviously we start started writing it bloody i was like six or seven years ago now wasn't it um from longer than that first putting it down like and uh, talking about an idea uh so then it came down to like what could be a good story with a handful of characters, a handful of locations without being just two guys in a room type film um, with some outdoorsy stuff because then it becomes you can talk, you can 
have a big story and a big world, but in a way that you can actually make it smaller. So it's more f starting with that concept and then working out what are the what are the stuff that I and you guys, what's the stuff we tip typically love, and it tends to be horror sci-fi type stuff, doesn't it? So um, it was coming from a part of what film could we actually make, but kind of wouldn't it be cool if it was actually in the style of all the stuff that we grew up loving, you know? So, uh, and then the, I think I, I came to you guys, probably the first ones I showed you guys probably wasn't the first draft. <laughs> it was probably, <laughs> I probably did a couple by that point. Um, but even showing you then, uh, it was a bit too ambitious, I would say. And plus it was very, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even like to read it now to see how horrible it is. But can you remember what the first kind of, reactions was or or what you thought or what the or the bits you thought were good what do you think needed chopping out because it's very it's the same through through line is that the word is there but it's very different there's even kind of things of like i remember we talked about it before scott like but i remember one of your it wasn't even a fit it was many drafts later but you were talking about there was a character shift and we needed to have another character in really so that one character wasn't changing so much so there was it was Peterson who was kind of the person in charge of this military facility patrolling the quarantine zone. And he starts off very kind of to the point and very English officer type thing. And then all of a sudden he, he, he turns a bit evil, but you think, no, he needs to have a sidekick. Which yeah, is there, kind there was of no need for him to change. Aggressive, yeah. yeah. Um, and, that, and I thought that was a good point. But it was weird talking about like, oh, no, that'll cost us an extra couple of grand because that's, yeah. that's another actor. And <laughs> so it's weird when you go from a writer's hat to a producer's hat. But um, I don't know, can you remember what were you, do you remember your first initial thoughts? Well, I think Keith had a good point earlier. Yeah, w once you've had the script written and everything, it doesn't matter if you, you give out to people to read. Actually sitting down and having a, a read-through aloud with each other mm. kind of helps bring out all the bad points and all the good points as well. But like, I can remember when the first time we did it, you had written in so many swear words, <laughs> which were just so completely <laughs> unnecessary. Yeah. And it was like every other kind of sentence someone said something, there was a fuck you or fuck the piss. Yeah. Like, there was no need for it. No. So I think when you get people to sit down and actually kind of go through it, you develop, you start hearing the development of a character, not just reading the development of the character. Yeah, and I think... I think now it's when you just take them all out, you realise that when you start watching films, you realise that a lot of swear words are actually, what's the word, character imp improvisation, yeah, yeah, actor yeah. improvisation. So using, and actually, if you put lots of swearing, have you ever read a Tarantino script? That's quite hilarious to, to read because um, the amount of swearing in it. But <laughs> you'll notice if you put lots of swearing into the script, I've now found that the actor will just swear more you know yeah, because yeah, I mean? yeah. they've actually so whenever they get angry and they'll just fucking fuck this and fuck and then you it's made it a lot worse so that's a good point it's just kind of like once you talk all the now there's a handful in it but there's a point when they've somebody swears yeah there's, there's got to be a it's reason behind the, the, un the unnatural dialogue and comes out is yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. sometimes it makes swearing it in an unnatural swear. situation or because yeah. you don't know what the actor because i might have an actor or say i'm thinking of somebody saying it a certain way but then, as I said, like when we do a read through of it, hearing like say you read it out loud of like, oh fucking hell, that was that was. Oh, Keith does his uh, his Batman voice. Batman voice. Yeah, when we do read through, Keith out. can't it fits, talk normally. It fits with everyone. With everything. Even, even with Edwards. Yeah, even with the women. Is <laughs> the, the, she sounds quite gravelly, but yeah, it works. 
but it, it was that was quite exciting as well actually the first time we ever did it and the second some times after that was very kind of looking at it from a technical point of view but just you could tell very quickly which bit worked like i think it was always obvious that there's like a big ambush scene right in where people go into the quarantine zone to find somebody and i always thought that that always worked because I, I think the dialogue's improved but the scene never changed much because uh, i think we always put especially when you put like a bit of background music on when you're reading it and things like that but um but there's other ones not just a the dialogue there's parts where you just see this that's a that seems pointless you can maybe shorten that down um because i think the script also was about 130 pages or it's something longer than that mm-hmm. that's about it's about 90 something oh, well 101 102 now uh, so there's a lot of shaking. I always say any good piece of writing, you can pick it up and shake it, and a third of it will fall out, mm-hmm. and it'll still be just as good. Um, so I took out a lot of the pointless description that I didn't need. Um, but uh, you know, actually taking it and reading out loud—that was the first time you can actually tell if it's if it's good or not in it. Really, yeah, I don't know. It was interesting, but it was quite quickly to understand which bits were needed fixing. I suppose. I definitely remember the first time reading it, the um, the ambush scene. I, I all I could think of in my mind was alien or aliens. That's oh all that, I could that think of. Urgency of when they first attack. Yeah, yeah. No, I, all I, I, I could think that, of yeah. was aliens. The you whole mean when time. they move into us into the because yeah. it's a very similar scene because in aliens you got them going into the height. Yeah, sort, yeah. And then there's somebody somewhere rippling out watching on the screen. And it's very similar to that where there's. Yeah. A, there's the somebody tensions, in, in the, the tensions building, wa- isn't it? Watching it on screens and what's happening, and uh, yeah, and we were all getting into it in terms like we had a little bit of background music playing yeah. right as well, didn't yeah. we? And uh, we were all getting into it, playing <laughs> the, you know, to the to the to the ice to the ice Game to the, over, ice <laughs> the woods, ice to <laughs> the woods. Contact, contact. It's actually interesting as well when you sent it to other people, like when you sent it to our casting director for the first time and seeing her because she'd look at it from an actor's point of view. Yeah, yeah. Which we always looked at it from a very technical point of view of well, how, we, how the hell we're going to film that. Where she was thinking it of well, if actor reads this, or like it's ages until you get to this character, or there's a scene which slows the pace of it down and things like that, which is just how is it to read, which was quite interesting and thought was helpful. So I would recommend if you've got anybody that you kind of trust who isn't in the, what's it like the inner circle of the production, so to speak, and some of the anyone whose feelings aren't involved. Yeah, there, there was there was a little bit back, you know, like because at that point when we showed her, that was ready to actually give out to actors. So at that point, because at the beginning I'm very much how can we improve this? Let's make it better. But you know when we've sat there and tried to improve it for ages, and then somebody else picks it, it's kind of like. Okay. I'll take, I'll take I, see, I, see what, I see what you're trying to say. Um, you jumped to that quite we, quick. Why did you? Somebody's in a fucking bad mood today. <laughs> <laughs> um, you went straight to the shit sandwich, did you? Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, she had a good she had a good point. So it's um, sometimes you don't hear the you know the sentence before where she's like, hey, "It's all really that's really interesting. I love the suspect." The, the but the end, suspe- <laughs> uh, there's a scene in there, and it's like there's no fucking scene, nothing. Keep keep. But, yeah. <laughs> But um, so you gotta take feedback if you're a writer and you can't take feedback, you're in in for a trouble because there is certain points where even when I come in, that kind of thing. Do you know what we've talked about before when it's kind of 
even like when we come in with an edit of a video and then as soon as you show somebody else, you instantly see that, oh, fucking hell, that's, no, no, that's, that's no good. That's, oh, oh. I mean, I'm just working on the sound and all that. It's very much like that with the script Yeah, as you've well. got your tunnel vision on, haven't you? Soon, as soon as I'm like, oh, this is great, this is great, and then I bang it to somebody and then you just hear it reading and you see reactions of not everybody saying something, it's just kind of like, oh. you're kind of like, yeah, and it's rare that it didn't, I don't think there was ever any feedback I didn't, I didn't agree with. You know, there's a, there, unless there was a reason for it, there's usually a reason you've done something because you've already thought of that problem and you had to go that way. But most of the time, if it, especially if you've got a couple of people in a room both saying, uh, yeah, these need to, this bit doesn't work or this bit's a bit clunky or that bit reminds me too much because it's all right if you've felt the same kind of tension as aliens and stuff like that but if you just went this is just a copy of the aliens it, that'd be a bit more of a, <laughs> of a problem um why are they all hatching <laughs> yeah 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 uh, yeah do um, you do you have a, like a pro like obviously when people write scripts they have different processes and stuff like that do you have a process because i've seen i've seen people do draw up flow charts create their own create their curves Create, uh, add in elements and um, plot points that they need to hit and then sit down and, and write. Whereas some people just spew out dialogue and spew out and then as, and just as they go along, something comes into their head and they continue on with that grow. And then, then that's how they, that's, they chop down from there. Whereas so I've seen people be very formulaic instead of more inspiration driven or something like that. That's what? it. Cause they could see people say you can kind of break down a story um, in terms of like a clock, a 12 hour clock, you can take like an Indiana Jones film and you can kind of time out where things are going to happen. And so, in like that kind of formula aspect, yeah. you know, there's like here's balance at the start of it, something happens, the character learns something, da da da, and then you know, you've got that kind of 12 hour system. Yeah. There is a yeah. twist comes here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. M- and it M- all revelation about each other yeah, anti hero here. My way, as I do, I, I do bullet points. I think if I just sat down and kind of just went, once upon a time, uh, I'd be pretty knackered. So first of all, I think kind of like, even with our anthology horror film we've got coming up with, um, so we're all doing a, we're all directing a section of um, a, a horror films all set under one creepy village, under one creepy night, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think then even then I noticed I wrote right quite, fast compared to you guys a little bit just because i think it was more because i'm used to it from driving the script but i think the only reason i was able to do so quickly you don't have a child hanging off your arm (laughs) (laughs) i'd love to go home and just write (laughs) i get stood on when i walk through the door i get i get a head charging at my crotch within a seconds after Ah, the door that's an excuse and then, and you, sit in the mood then for you sit down and watch Coronation Street for three hours. So. I don't even know <laughs> what Coronation Street is anymore. Um, but, but no, the way I do is, is it's always with bullet points. So it's always starts off with three bullet points. First, first three acts. What do you want? To, how do you want to start? How do you want it to end? What happens in the middle? Then each point, I'll add five more bullet points to each section. What's the what's the points I want to do? So in the beginning, they need to do five sections, and then. Eventually, you get to the point where each section has 20 bullet points each. And then, actually, at that point, I'd start writing the the scenes I'm excited about because I couldn't see myself writing from the beginning to the end. I think I helped you guys. That's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Where yeah. I, 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 lo- I lose interest in an idea very quickly. So, if it's, so I'll write the bit. 
So like, for example, with Patriarch, I would write the ambush scene. There's a torture scene in it. There's uh, a, a the, the bit at the end, the big climax, I think. I'd write those bits first. And then just meld into and each then one. Ev- and then join the dots. Because uh, then I feel myself, I'm getting somewhere. If you constantly feel like, oh, God, I'm still in Act 1 and I've been writing for weeks, it's a bit of a bit of a shock to the, you know, what's the word, disheartening, that, you know, oh, God, I don't feel I'm getting anywhere. Which I don't know, other people might think that, yeah, but you're disjointed everywhere, but I'm writing the bits I'm impressed at. And I have a habit of putting sentences on my phone. If anybody gets on my phone, they'll probably think it's a, it's a diary of a madman because um, if I ever think of something or driving about or something like that, I'll, ha- I'll put a sentence which is just interesting. And then I'll usually try and make an excuse to use that somewhere. And that often starts a conversation. When it comes to conversations, I've heard Tarantino do it a little bit, uh, where he doesn't, he writes and he doesn't know where the conversation is going to go. I don't particularly do that so much, but I do find once I've got my, what's the three bullet points I want to get across in the conversation? Uh, I could usually write it in one fell swoop because I know where it's going rather than umming and ahhing about each word. But then it's just about coming back and looking at it again. And you can usually see the faults of it and then keep improving it. Usually shortening it and improving it, but that's the way I do it. So it's, well, the bullet points, then you add more bullet points to each section. Then write the bits that I'm excited about. Because uh, there's no point thinking, oh, in a couple of weeks I'll be able to get to the ambush scene. Do you know what I mean? And that, 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 would, that seems like a slog. <laughs> and, and plus you want to be excited about it. So, um, Or maybe... I don't particularly do it. I do tend to do the boring bits at the end. Well, shouldn't be any boring bits, but you know, I do the bits which are just the conversation in the hallway type bits toward the end. And that does fit. Then it feels like a slog. And well, this is this feels like work. I was like, yeah, of course it's work, you dickhead. Not everybody can right. do it. Yeah. yeah. So that's my way of doing it. I find it, it, it does it quite quick. So you get you, as soon as you come up with an idea, what are the three points I want to get across? Uh, and then w- usually what do I find most interesting about the three is like there's an interesting opening scene. Great, well, let's think about that and blah, 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 blah. Um, and that's also a way of, like for Infernal, when I wanted to write three or four scripts really quick to show you guys, I was not as if I wrote four scripts. I did four bullet points, and then it was which one got fleshed out quickest, eventually got to the point with, oh, I just need to join the dots with di- and, and do some dialogue. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. That's pretty much I'd I'd recommend other people do it, but I think some people, if you just had to work out, I can see how some people do cards for scenes, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. In terms of like, um, but even that way, I think I'd, I I think you're stuck to that sequence in a way, where kind of, with the bullet point thing, I can still change things in the middle or the beginning or something like that. And you actually come up with more ideas as I'm doing it, rather than, Step one, step two, step three. I don't know, everybody's different, but I've just found that was, that's my way of doing it. Do you just sit down at the table, like when you, you get home, you've had something to eat, and then you know, right, Dave's ready to write some bullet points. Glass, or, glass of red. Or do you sit down and just watch Netflix? And no, no, no. Yeah, no, it's... It, it's <laughs> that's, it that, was, that was dad envy coming from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me more about your <laughs> lovely <laughs> life, Dave. Tell me I, no, I have to wait until my missus goes to sleep. I don't just sit there going... In front of it, right? I have to wait. So I have to wait when she she goes to sleep quite early. Like so, when she goes to sleep at like ten, I'm not going from oh. writing until ten to one or something like that. I'm usually having my tea at ten. <laughs> 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 but uh, um, 
the, the, the problem, when you're in the middle of writing a script, is actually, I find it horrible. Because every time I'm having a, like time off, I felt guilty. Because it's kind of like we got the production company work in the day when I'm writing that. And during the time, you're just like, I don't want to do anything. I never enjoyed my weekends or times off because I was just thinking, oh, that's a waste of a day. Should have been doing it. Do you know, like, so you're too busy going thinking, oh, in an hour, I'll sit down and I'll do that thing. Um, I'll do that tonight or something. So it was, it was always... I usually found I did most of my writing early doors or very late at night. Yeah, no, I, I, I talked to loads of people who set, them, set themselves the task of up early, write for an hour, then whatever happens after that hour is a bonus. Yeah, I, I got through a big chunk of it by just getting up at six and working from seven till, say, half eight and then come to the, the studio. Uh, it's just, I try... And because we had so much other work in the production company, I kind of felt guilty. Even though it's work, you still feel that weird guilt. Oh, God, we're not getting paid for that for years, so we yeah. can't spend. I need to work on some of those paid jobs. Um, but now, oh yeah, no problem. Sean's got to shoot off. He says goodbye, everybody. What's your final point? Or if, if you got one piece of advice for somebody, because we're about to move into what's a piece of advice? Just what's your quick? What's your best piece of advice for somebody to improve the quality of the, the script? Is is talk to talk to real life people to help your from certain fields to help your dialogue flow. Uh, don't assume that because you've watched an army movie or a couple of army movies, you know how personnel in the army speak. Hmm. Like uh, take Dave for example, it's it, there is quite a heavy military aspect. Dave has family members within the military. He's also got friends within the military, so we pass the script to the them to see what they think they highlighted certain things that just weren't said wasn't right and saying in certain mm -hmm. situations how banter between yeah between just, personnel would yeah, be so he was like you were saying how we like the banter and yeah you'd say this and you wouldn't say you wouldn't, that. you wouldn't say, say certain terminologies and it's like you you want to avoid those things where you go that someone who knows about that that air uh, that field of life like watching SES who dares wins doesn't yeah, mean we yeah. know what the SES how the SES talk or how they are in bants mode yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's we, we want those people to be also part of our fan base even though they might not be sci-fi fans they will be fans of the military because they're part of yeah. that family we don't want to piss on that of that culture we want to yeah. be we want them especially when you've got fantastical yeah. sci-fi you've got to keep certain bits as, mm. as kept into realism That's as possible and, and, and there's cool you actually find there's cooler ways of saying stuff because i was using the word command on the radio and things like that because a lot of american ones do and the uk army if they know they go if they've got a, hit, a hq base they call it zero so it's going to like come in zero this is bravo i like wouldn't have had a frigging clue. You know, I did all Does the it, I've, yeah. I've done all the googling in the world to like terminology. I never saw zero once, but apparently all communications to it. Uh, and then the 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 person in, in charge at zero. So at zero, you got a captain or a lieutenant, lieutenant or something. They're called um, Sunray. So zero. This is Bravo. I need to talk to Sunray immediately if there's a problem. And you're like. Okay, that's, that, that sounds cool. See, it's it's <laughs> just it's a it's a nod or a tip of the hat to yeah. people within within that field. Is like is if if we were going to do something about ice cream, we would talk to plus someone you, who works in an ice cream you industry. Get, you get what he's talking about. If you say zero zero, this is Bravo. I need to talk to Sunray, and then somebody else picks yeah, up. Yeah, the the, lay, the layman picks. The know, layman makes the connection, well, and, it and then sounds good yeah, as the, well. The layman makes the connection, and the person who's actually knowledge in it goes. Oh, 
Yeah. Nice exactly. one. Nice well, one, guys. It, but if you're doing medical Way to stuff, go, Wagyu. Yeah, if you're doing medical stuff, talk to a doctor. <laughs> if you're doing engineering techie stuff, talk to a techie person. Um, you'll actually, wear, apart from the fact you'll actually find it more accurate, you're actually, Sean's trying to sneak out now quietly without creeping out. <laughs> creeping out. See, see you later. Um, so it's, um, so yeah, so talk to uh, anything to do with it really, isn't it? So, I mean, we've got, if you're not a parent, maybe talk to, and you've got lots of parents with kids conversations and things like that. Uh, maybe talk to a parent of how people interact and what how kids actually act and things like that. That's a really, that's a really good point, isn't it? Really. Is any, so what, what would you say then if you're trying to? Everybody needs to improve their dialogue just from our experience or from your experience writing the the infernal scripts and things like that. What's a way of? You Scott mentioned mine before, which is literally just reading it, getting a couple of guys together and just reading the script. Just. Just helps massively in terms of the dialogue and how it's said. And would that would that person say that? What I found is there's a massive difference between what a sentence looks like on a page and what it actually sounds like out loud spoken. Because it could look really good um, on the page, and in your head it might sound really good. But you've got to give it to an actor who's got to actually say it, and you don't want to try and force them to say it in a way that um, you know it's it is it's like in your head. If you really want to piss off an actor, do a line reading for him. Say, no, 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 say it like this. Actors instantly stop listening to you and lose all respect for you. They see their job as people who come in, they interpret the script in a way that you give them direction and how, you know, what they're feeling and what kind of, are they exhausted and um, are they excited? Are they this and this? Are you going too fast or too slow, etc.? But do not just say, no, 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 you say it like, don't go in there. If you say it like that, you've actually, actors are just instantly lost respect. That's something that we noticed as well, isn't it? When we got the, um, the first couple of casting videos back from people who we want to play, like yeah. the main character, you notice that some people will put like so much emphasis and exaggeration into certain sentences, whilst like, the next person will just read it in such a monotone way. And there's so many different ways of saying a certain sentence to come across in a completely different way. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's quite interesting. I, I, I was, um, I like, I like my script to kind of read like a book. So I like to. The reason why the original script was 144 pages wasn't loads of dialogue; it was description. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but the point is, it's supposed to be an enjoyable read. But from the script, you need to get to the point where you don't need to give them direction. Do you see what I mean? So if they're just so if we give them a minimal version of the script or something where they the um cuz we're mainly talking there about people we got with smaller agencies or trying to get on small short films or commercials and things like that and you just give them a few lines to read rather than like a full script it, it's so why try and say is try and put as much description into it so you don't waste everybody's time so the actor who's reading it completely understands what the character sound because we've we've seen before like some kind there's uh who's the one before who's kind of we wanted this is a scene in a different film we're doing which has got like a uh, like a guy possessed guy who's but he comes across as he's quite cool and quite kind of like the whole spunk to be it's more unsettling how calm he is yeah where the the audition was just like what <laughs> <laughs> i'm a demon and it was, it was a really it's kind of like a crusty the clown kind of <laughs> is, like is that the laugh? priest I, no, it was no. actually the, the, the demon, do you know, you know when... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, you yeah, know, yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah it just because I, I put a bit of um, 
I put the script down for him to read it, to see the whole atmosphere, what, what, what we were going for, so we can kind of get a bit of an idea of how we wanted him to be, a bit of direction of what he's been through as well, so how he should be acting. And then he came back and uh, he was just... It was, yeah, well, it was you, just do actually, you do actually notice that uh, a lot of actors as well do actually just straight out skip the description bit and 100%. go to the dialogue, and I think it was that's what that guy did. Um, you should also you should also try and put some description in the do you know the, the little brackets are called parentials what are they called oh god I'm a script writer I really should know that word but you know what I mean you have the ca- the, the character name then underneath you have some brackets describing like sounding exhausted yeah yeah, yeah. and then uh, you should maybe maybe try and use them because they're harder to get skipped like talking of aliens I was watching the making of the other week and it, it, it amazed me when an actor is amazing as Sigourney Weaver she says that. I, she has a habit of just going through the scripts and just looking at the dialogue and all the way through. And and halfway through where they were making the film, she was like, why are there so many guns? Because <laughs> 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 she was saying that there was no speaking of guns in the description. It's all like just people walking around. And then she's like, am I supposed to, I'm holding a flamethrower? Uh, which which can't have been too true. Because surely, she, but she did say that, I think she knew there was some of them, but didn't realize there was so many. Yeah. Uh, so... So yeah, so what can you do? So in terms of for the the the, the she's probably uh, watched Alien. Oh well, watched Alien back and we're like there's zero zero guns, and then yeah, they're like wow, yeah. this one's got every scene's got a gun in it. But it's I, I read James Cameron's script and it's actually really good. So it's just I think they just skim they just skim to their point. Uh, most actors that uh, like a casting director, um, our casting director was talking about when we were putting together like an info pack for. Uh, uh, like name actors that we're talking with um, is very much she came back and said very much like this is this part's good but you're talking a lot about the film and uh, how you're making it with storyboards and inspiration and ideas and all that and you've only done a little bit about characters you've got to realise that the only bit the actor really gives a shit about is the character bit oh okay so I've had to do like a page for each character in their background and stuff like that so um but you've got to try and use any tactics you can to try and make them understand the direction without actually having a di- director there. So it's trying to put brackets of what they're feeling, try and put... Um, I use bold. In fact, a lot of people don't like it, cause it's like, but I occasionally use bold and italics in description, and I've usually found that when people are scan reading, they'll actually see those bits. And, and I know you, you get a lot of sniffy pillocks about... Uh, the structure of scripts and how they're supposed to be written. I mean, I use final draft, so it's kind of like the, the right structure. But um, but there's other little things like, like uh, I thought, well, you cut away to something, you're supposed to have like external some day. So this this is like, what I was going to bring. And up. then just like a person there doing something for two seconds, then you cut back to the thing. And I've always done that, and it was always jarring when you're reading it. But then I read a uh, Chris Nolan script, and he, j- he just... In the normals, we just put the words in, in bold, insert, cut, a guy falls off or something, and then continue in the, the scene. I was like, oh, that's cheating, <laughs> but oh, I'll do that. <laughs> and at the end of the day, people reading it, that's all, they get it. Do you see what I mean? You don't, the structure is in terms of the actual, how you format a script isn't really that important in terms of, I was like, you don't go too ridiculously away from the norm. But I was going to say, because there is a standard to actually standard, write the script, but, but, but everybody the, does their own personalization on it. Yeah, and doing the cut away for Like, people like... Well, you want to... Uh, I'd really recommend, not for just a... 
not from an awesome script writing fit, but you know Shane Black, he, the guy who wrote Lethal Weapon, he Hawkins in Predator. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he all, he's he's written a million things, um, but he actually put description in the script about how awesome the script is. We <laughs> 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 were going like. I think I can't remember it's some of the lines of halfway through there's a couple of lines of saying something lines are you getting it yet this is a pretty fucking cool film I get you're going to buy it for a million quid anyway back to the story or so, not that but something like that and I thought so everybody's different and but you yeah, got to yeah. think people human beings are going to read it so could you put some personality in it and make, make it a little different and things like that yeah do you have any other what was it tips you think? well that was actually going to be my kind of main point about uh, the whole structure of oh, scripts sorry, and things like that because you yeah, know there, there are other You've made the point. There's no point in me repeating it. Um, <laughs> trying to think of something else to say <laughs> now. Why are you thinking about that? I've got a really good tip for p- if anybody trying to finish a script. Um, a huge reason that the script took so long to do and all the, all the different rewrites and things like that, I am terrible for coming back the next day and just remember where I'm up to. I'll read the last scene again and then I'll spend all night changing that scene. I do not, and then I re, and then I'm too tired to keep going. So the next day I'll come back and just so I can remember, I'll have a look at this and I'll go. I'll look at that. Fucking, it's so once you've written a scene, don't go back and look at it again until you're finished. Well, you scan it to understand. You, sh- you should have notes about where you are and where you are next. In terms of the actual typed up script on a computer, don't stress about going through the last bit. I mean, I've done it before. Where I've got halfway through and I'm like. I really should start from the be- just give it one read from the beginning just to see what it reads like, and then I'll spend the night changing to just the first two scenes, and I'll do it, and and that might be my friggin' Seinfeld style nervosities, but uh, that that was a. I think it's okay. Just finish the script because it's hell of an achievement once you're finished. When I first finished it, I, w- I wasn't like fucking do that. It was just more like you know, that weight off your shoulders and like oh thank. That's so happy, but you need to understand that that first draft is going to be crap. It's just yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But then that's the point. So finish it and then go back and tweak it. My problem was I'll read the last couple of bits just to just to get back in the mind frame or just remember where I'm up to and things like that. You should have a clear idea of where you're up to at all points. But then that come that that all comes down to how you're feeling that day because yeah. you could have a completely different. I like, could have had a shit day. Reading it against like, oh, this sounds shit. This is, and then, but then you could have had a good day, and it could, you know, it, it just affects everything. And plus, you just tweak and tweak and tweak. There's a point where you've just got to show somebody else. So I think that I'd say, just write it all. Don't just write each. As I say, if you're going to do my bullet point system, or just even if you start from scene one right to the end, just do that, and don't worry about how the how good the how well written the, the scene you did last was just yeah. keep going and then once you get to the end you actually kind of what's the word you just have a real sense of achievement of finishing it and don't be too what's the word sad if you think oh it's not, I'm not too confident about it I don't think anybody's written one script first draft and it's just been amazing you go through and you improve the I very much went through then I look I look at it from a story I don't worry about dialogue Um, I think I don't know, I'd say one of my strengths of dialogue, but... Uh, well, dialogue can get changed, exactly. even on the day. Yeah, exactly. And the actor this, will change it, yeah, yeah. paraphrase. I think I, that's a good point of having a good actor as well, because they can 
add on to what they were going to okay, say. I was watching just before about auditions. We were watching auditions before for Ben, and a couple of them were like paraphrase, just like just changed a couple of words. I was like, well, that's that's not right. Who's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, this guy think he is? But you know, but that's going to happen on set. It just doesn't mean it's, his version wasn't any worse or better. It was just different. But he was still saying the set. He just used a different word. Just for, a sec. For, um, <laughs> oh, is a uh, oh yeah. So it's perfect. Thanks Siri. Thanks Siri for that. Thanks Siri. That's a leave a note for the person who was paraphrasing to say he didn't get it. Oh, so he's right. Okay. <laughs> Has that been emailed to him now? Siri, tell guy fine. Put an X next to his name. Um, but yeah, so so it's uh, dialogue could always be changed. So it's a constantly evolving thing. But I'd go. Does the story make sense? Is the story exciting? Is there suspense? Is, is there a flow to it? Does this scene, do you need this scene? Another big reason, like I was saying in, our, in a previous podcast, the big reason why we're taking so long was we start looking at it from a production, because that's the other thing. Do you want to write this script to sell it or do you want to write it to produce it and guess make it? Then that can be treated very differently because then, because we were making it, we would start turning a couple of characters into one character and we were turning all these different locations that we had. It was just, oh, couldn't that just be done in that location as well? And thing. So you got to really think of, are you selling this or you're making it? And a lot of, you do always hear, usually people who've had money thrown at them to produce films say the words like, no, 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 just write the script you want and follow your dreams and all that. And you, f- and you find these skint filmmakers following that stupid advice. So it's more, do that on your second or third film. Your first film should be something you can, if you're planning to make it, Think about that in the writing of it. Do you need two characters and one character can be done in that? Do you, do you need police turn up? Does it need to be two detectives? <laughs> You're going to have to pay that guy, one of those guys to come. Could it just be one and somebody else hovers in the background as an extra? Um, it's little things like that. So I try and have a think of what I did with, I'd say with Patriarch, it was very much passes of just get it done then go through to where could improve the story and the flow and where does it slog and things like that. Then I'd go through it from like a production standpoint of kind of which bits, oh, that's going to be too difficult. That's too, mm-hmm. that's too much CGI in that bit or something like that. Uh, that's too inexpensive a location. We'll never get that. Um, and then I'll go through dialogue. You, dialogue is the most fun bit to write for me. I, dialogue's the bit I enjoy most. So I usually tend to feel that writing dialogue at the beginning was usually relatively spot on and then at the end not spot on but you know what i mean it's kind of like it's looking at it later on and just in terms of from a fresh eye thinking oh that's a bit clunky blah 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 blah, and i don't mind changing it but um what are you gonna do i think that's a big point is what do you want to make this one or because i've got i've got other scripts i think i could just flog that and we're never gonna make that in a million years um but I'm not particularly passionate about them, you know, because I'm not going to spend a lot of my time when this takes up a lot of our time. I'd rather do our stuff, you know. Do you write dialogue at the same time you're writing the story? Yeah, usually, I found that, you know, with the bullet... Again, with just bullet points. But with the bullet, bullet points, point I will do bullet points and dialogue. Okay. It's usually the filling out the dots is often the description of the scene, usually, because the dialogue's a fun bit to write. It's, it's, I don't think people like writing the... He got up off the ground. He walked this way. He walked that way. Uh, well, see that that when we were doing our shorts, that was the bit that I enjoyed. Oh, was the actual writing of the actual story bit, like dialogue? I couldn't. But I, I, I've got to do it because that's my system. Way so when me yeah, and yeah, you yeah. sat down to to write the film, 
that film, um, we had to do it from scratch. Cause, but we still did a little bit of the storyboard. Of remember, we did some bullet points of. Oh yeah, we knew what we were going to. But then we did happen, the, yeah. the scene by scene. Then from that, yeah, yeah. the bullet points of the. Because my brain, I jump all over the shop. But but, so you like the you actually do the description. I prefer and, just and to kind of get a story sort of down. Yeah. And then. Put it in, yeah. I think that's just the way I would. Yeah. I would go about it. I just, I, I just, I love writing dialogue. That's just, I, I join the dots. That's why it's very, Patriarch is pretty wordy. And, and no, in fact, every other kind of script you've done is like dialogue straight away. Do you know, like in the in the last one you sent over to us that we have, I haven't read yet, but I've seen the front. <laughs> 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 yeah. it's, 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 it's just like good. a whole lot of dialogue. But when I've looked back at like mine, it's all description and what's going to happen. And then later on, there's a couple mm-hmm. of like, I've actually went through and found out all the lines of dialogue, and I've yeah. noticed there's not much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you had to give somebody for an audition, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a big monologue. I was like, monologue. Well, sh- what do I give her? <laughs> I yeah, was but, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I may be thinking a dialogue, you just need good actors. You don't need, in a weird way, from a production point as well, yeah. because you just got people talking in a location where your one is like, cut to bedroom, cut to hallway, cut to stairway, cut to, do you see what I mean? So mm-hmm. in terms of... But even though we thought with that one, there's no point thinking like that, especially as like short films. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I think everybody's different. What did you enjoy about right, right, when we writing your one, Keith? Hmm. He enjoyed figuring out how he's going to fucking film it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably what I enjoyed most. Because you had another idea, didn't you? Which you, which you came, you did by yourself, but then you weren't particularly yeah. sold on it. It was, so was kind of like something that had been done before. The original one, wasn't it? Because we did that, it did, we did it? that pretty... We, kind we did, of. I liked that one. The problem was, because that was one where some, it was supposed to be uh, a story of somebody on a hospital bed wakes up the and twist they can was see good. everything, but the trick was, and they can feel and hear everybody around them, and it's supposed to be like the story of the people popping in, they're supposed to hear what their story, and this guy had actually done horrible stuff, and I think they're supposed to be, do we turn him on and off and or, or, or not? But the trick was... That was like a good two-minute film, wasn't it? It's yeah. like dragging that out for like 15, 20 minutes was causing us some trouble, wasn't it? But then we came up with a new one, and we did that really fast. I'm sure we came up with it in about half an... I mean, the script was not written, but the, the bullet points and the idea was ashed down about Yeah, because we literally just sat down after we put the other one on hold yeah. and was like, right, let's think of an idea. And then that's when I was saying to you... Which is tricky because it's hard to sit in a room and just go, right, let's come up with a good idea. Throw some ideas. I I think it was just what would be simple. I think we just got... Why would be... We are like, I still wanted to be in a room. So we thought, okay, it's in a warehouse. And I just want a couple... Okay, it's a family. There's a... There's a kind of... We we turned it around so it's like an exorcism. I think that... Yeah, I think the... The the way we kind of developed it towards... When you think about the thing... uh, The... The thing, another film. That was right. So that so was we, the twist. Yeah. It? So it was kind of what we liked, or you, you liked, was the paranoia of the thing, and you know, like the test scene where they all test mm-hmm. each other's blood, and then yeah, 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 yeah. the thing. So the whole point is supposed to be: it, the film starts on the aftermath of an exorcism. Everybody's out of breath. The room's all destroyed already, but then they're not convinced that the thing is actually left the room and they're trying to work out who it is so they're trying to do tests and everybody's turning on each other and the paranoia and stuff like that that was but the hardest part i think trying to find a test that we could do to prove it to prove yeah. it that was that was difficult but we found one so you'll have to wait and see but that's what the, happens yeah so it's um, clever it's clever <laughs> <laughs> who 
Who wrote the one about, like, was it a taxi driver? Yeah, yeah, i done that one as well. Was it? I like that one. Why do we not do that one? We did, like, a, a psychopath, t- t- pick people up and... He, oh, no, he'd imagine... The people moaning in the back and he'd imagine doing horrible stuff to them. Why do we not do that? We not I, I, I think, again, that was... That it was, quite was just quick, quite short. Was it short? So there was, it was going to be difficult to kind of extend that out to at least 15 minutes. It's an idea to flesh out for the future. I don't know, we're always going to do more shorts, aren't we? So... Um, but yeah, so have you any other any other tips for anybody that you think? Uh, my 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 ones are very much just to <laughs> just get it done. <laughs> so worrying about the last bit is just getting the the actual achievement of writing an entire script. You should massively pat yourself on the back on it. The amount of people have got a half finished script in a drawer somewhere and not finished. If nobody ever sees it, you never sell it. It's still a hell of achievement in a weird way. Um, doesn't matter about how bad you think it is. Show someone else. Show somebody yeah. else. They'll tell you what mm. it is. And even go, show other people expecting them to say bad things about it. Yeah, yeah. And you'll notice that the, the stuff they say isn't that bad. And usually, if you show a couple of people and they both say the same thing, that's that's not just somebody's opinion. That's kind of like yeah. more people are saying the same thing. And it's the same with once you've shot and edited the film. The first yeah, edit you watch is shit. It doesn't matter like how how much you stuck to the storyboard or the script. I, it's going to be shit the you first time you watch it. So you might you as well. Good. As yeah. soon as you show somebody else, you're like, oh, that bit. Yeah. So yeah, just accept that it's going to be bad and take the criticism. That's it. You just want to get to the point where you're relatively confident with it, but you just know when I show somebody else, they're going to find what's wrong with it. And that's fine. Because when you do show... Because that's our problem. Is we're old mates from back in the day anyway. So there's no... Wow, I, bet, I think I think that script Dave's gonna do is a, is a mind blowing piece of art. It's just let's see what's wrong with it, and, and that's just natural. Yeah, yeah. And then if you come across it, and you kind of get like at the end of it, like when I showed you the first script, there wasn't like nobody, everybody didn't shit on it. It was just kind of like it was good. But we need to improve this bit, this bit, and this bit. And it was just like I was happy with the overall feeling, and everybody had good points. Just just ask for a why. If somebody just says I don't like that bit. So yeah, but why? So if it's like, for example, the, the thing on with wanting two characters instead of one because of yeah, yeah. change, it's like I think this needs to be another guy. Why is well the character's too different? He actually went because if you notice, he was actually that character was supposed to die at that point and not carry on. Was he? Yeah, he was the one that, like in uh, the interrogation room. Yeah, that dies, and then now we done it where his sidekick dies and he, he kind of makes it towards the end okay i can't remember that but i just remember, I just remember <laughs> it was the, six years ago no yeah the last time yeah but no yeah it was the fact that he just kind of he was a straight-faced professional person and all of a sudden just click of he changed to a different person yeah i did i did um another one i'd say kind of similar to uh right about like what sean was saying before about talk to people in the right lines but in terms of where it come from is Find what you love and just things that you love. Because I love talking about, because uh, there's a big part of the story is about, obviously, these people that were in this military facility have kind of been pushed to some other kind of, pushed to somewhere else, so to speak, um, where there's I, I, I have a habit of watching, because uh, I'm such a dum-dum and I can't understand real astrophysics. There are people like, you know, Professor Kaku and... Michu Kaku. Titus and stuff. Uh, and all that and actually explain things well where somebody was talking about a multiverse and 
things like that. And that was kind of the genesis of the idea because then I could use some scientific basis. Well, he said it, so it could happen. <laughs> Have you ever watched those documentaries and go, I understand this. I could get paid to do this. <laughs> I could be a scientist. I know string theory now. <laughs> yeah, but then you watch it again, you realise he's talking to the camera like he's talking to children. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, get as much research as you can. Try and just get the thing done. Stop going back and tweaking and tweaking before you're actually finished. Um, read it out loud with other people. That's going to find find you. Don't worry. What was your? Don't worry about the structure and the. Uh, what's the word? It's got to be a particular way. I would recommend. I mean, everybody uses Final Draft, but I actually wrote it on Word before I actually got Final Draft, and then I had to. It took me ages to friggin' stick it onto Final Draft afterwards. It's just yeah, not it, simple it as copy and paste because you got to chop it up into scene headings and stuff. It doesn't matter what. You actually write it on. Just no. having that, that kind of professional software helps loads when you're structuring it because you can just press a tab and well, well, it changes scenes. There's, there's like little that, cheats you can do in Word to make it look like Final Cut now. In terms of if you're just interested in how it looks, because you can like you know the parameters and and things like that. But the problem is we use Final Draft because we put it into things like our scheduling mm. software that actually cuts all the scenes. Yeah, yeah. Where the characters mentioned and things like that. So um, that's probably a good extra tip. Is Work out because we use Gorilla Scheduling, Gr isn't it? Gorilla Schedule, Gorilla Budget, and Gorilla Budget, and Gorilla Skeleton, and they take. Uh, it doesn't always work perfectly, no. but we did have to go through every single heading to make sure of uh, scene heading to make sure it's right. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, because on on the the software it is really clever because it it drags each character, each location, everything into the into the software. So it it helps massively if you're going to go down that route. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so plenty to think about. But shall we? Shall we? Shall we wrap it up with our recommendation of the of the of the day? So it's kind of um, it, we like to wrap up with a hidden gem. A sometimes they end up being a recommendation. A rec uh, yeah, a recommendation, recommendation. Not a hidden gem. Yeah. yeah, some people that they've have been using guilty pleasures. I hate the term guilty pleasure. I like. No, I like the films I like. No, yeah, you, should, like you should be made to feel guilty yeah, for liking yeah. a film. I like Tremors. Piss off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know I mean? That was going to be mine, Dave. Thanks. No, <laughs> oh, yeah. no, no I'm only joking. Who wants to go first? Scott looks like he wants Scott's to go ready. first. Oh, are we doing the, like, guessing it? Do, we, do you want to guess it again? Oh, so you're going to tell us a story. I'm going to tell you the... I'm yeah. going to see if we can guess it. You can it. guess okay. it, okay. okay right, on. cool. Uh, <laughs> a mysterious man arrives at the offices of an FBI agent and recounts his childhood how his religious fanatic father receives visions telling him to, to, to destroy people I know who it. were in fact demons. I got it. Do you know Keith. it, Keith? Oh. No. Uh, clue, he's in Aliens. <laughs> One of them is. Not that guy. The mate, the mate, oh, yeah. Go on, Dave. It's Fra frailty. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first good film I saw Matthew McConaughey in, as far as I remember, because he, he was always on... Covers of DVDs leaning against a woman. You know, he's always got. He's always like looking over his shoulder. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> with, a sh with a shirt. And off. I always hate until I, I watched that one and maybe Rain of Rain of Fire, where I actually thought, oh no, he could actually be quite cool. I was going to mention Rain of Fire, Rain of but Fire. I thought maybe that's not. Rain of Fire is <laughs> yeah, one by itself. I want to watch Rain of Fire as well. It's Rain of Fire should be ridiculous. It's an apocalypse caused by dragons. It should be fucking terror. It should be like one of those sci-fi channel. But it's actually, it's got... It's awesome. Christian Bale. It's got a how, are we, how are we talking about this instead of one <laughs> I mentioned? I got excited about it. But frailty is, it's, so it's kind of like a, it's, it's a... It's a great story. It's a, the concept and everything. You don't actually see... 
because it talks about demons and stuff like that. Dad thinks that demons behind everything, but you never actually see him because he thinks that they're demons in humans' bodies, like just average kind of people, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of those typical American Deep South yeah. religious so it's kind of, it's, it's kind trying of. to work out... And the twist. Is he, Ooh, it's twists. That's it. It's trying to work out... It's not really... It's kind of work out, is, is this family doing it crazy or are they actually seeing demons in people? And that's the whole... There's one brother who's like a certain way and one brother who's in another way. I think it was Bill Paxton's first oh, directorial right, debut, Paxton. wasn't it? Was that his first... Yeah, he was the first. I was always I was saying I was saying on a different podcast every day, which was, I don't get particularly sad when real, like actors pass yeah. away. Like, like what was that year when every musician, everybody loved that. And I mean, it's sad. I'll have a bad day. But Bill Pack, when he passed, that that messed me up for about <laughs> a week. Everybody, who didn't? Like, he may not have been like the best like Oscar winning actor, but you can't not like Bill Paxton. Do you know what I mean? A lot of people couldn't remember work out between him and Bill Pullman, but I. Ever since seen him as Hudson, even though Hudson, I never, I never understood that. The Bill, it's just because of a book called Bill. Bill, it's is that it? <laughs> they look like each other. Um, and, he, and he's in Terminator. He's in, he's in everything. He's in so many. Fi- and, Com- and Commando, I think. Predator Two, Terminator. Is he? <laughs> True Lies. What? He's in all of James Cameron. Are you trying ones. to think which, which which character he is in, in Terminator? Have you seen him in Near Dark? There's another recommendation for it. It was like. The year after it is like a really good, it's like the first cool vampire film where Bill Paxton and they're like this, again, Deep South, they drive around in a van which keeps the light out. And stuff oh, like shit, that. yeah, that I remember that film. Lance what about, oh, it's like yeah. the same cast as Aliens, weirdly, but that's actually a, that's actually a really good. Catherine Bigelow did it, who's also an, an awesome director now. That was one of her first films. I, I was actually really good. I was going to say, the best vampire film once bitten with Jim Carrey, have you seen that? <laughs> I think. It, <laughs> what? I think it was before that, though. That, that was that was that was my point. Uh, but Bill Paxton is actually really good, and he's the best thing in that. Yeah, he's but no, felt he's a good film. Is it's the first one where yeah, lots of twists, lots of twi- It's not. There's bits of horror in it. There's bits. It's more. I say it's more of like a psychological. Oh yeah, 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 thing. yeah. It's not like a jump demon scare. It's more. Are these people psychos and crazy? Or they actually seen demons, and that's the whole story behind it, which I thought was quite. And it's a good concept of just a conversation between a man and uh, an agent over just a table. Like yeah, they're talking a about the story of his life and where yeah. his family was. Yeah, because it was the brother. It's, it's a good frame. It's the brother who wasn't quite into the the hunting of people and, yeah. and stuff like that. Oh, is he? That's a good one. Mm-hmm. So, Keith. Okay. All right. So, so fine. Bye. 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 So mine. I'm we should, really out. shouldn't record these at the end of the day. No. Should we? no. <laughs> You'll probably get this one, Dave. Brits, uh, a civilian diving team is enlisted to search for a lost nuclear submarine and face danger while encountering an alien aquatic species. That's uh, it's the abyss. It's as clear yes. as the abyss. Is it, it's one of those where I've probably seen it so much, but you forget other people probably haven't. I didn't realise that it was 1989. Yeah, it was... It was a well good I film. I think it was James Cameron's first film after Aliens, if I'm not... Why are we... We're talking a lot about Aliens it's today. But if I'm right, I'm sure Aliens was like 85, 86, and I think yeah. that was his next film. And then he did Terminator 2, as far as I can tell. But it's a great film. I it's love like, it. How, I would never film that in a million years. You ever seen the making of it? Where yeah, they actually yeah. filmed it all in tanks. And, and what I thought was really interesting was... The, the tanks, these huge, like, industrial-style deep things, 
but they had problems with the light coming up from the top, mm. and they're supposed to be really deep, so they got like the black millions of in. black ball bearings to because they couldn't just put a tarp over it because yeah. people need to swim up and breathe. But no, yeah, no, it's like what's the story? It's kind of yeah, so it's it's like a mining facility, but then weird, creepy stuff starts happening at yeah. the bottom of the sea, and they're trying to work out what. But it's it's good because it's like a disaster film as well yeah. because things start going wrong in this oil rig that they're all under the but water. But it's, it's a bit of a love and, story as and well. And there's a love it? story and there's like these weird sci-fi elements because something's causing yeah. the... Uh, uh, I recently saw... Have you seen Underwater? With yeah, that's well now, I, I like that, that. I thought that was very... They took a lot from the yeah. abyss. Um, which is... I still don't <coughs> mind. Um, but there's, there's actually a director's cut of it as well which is very different. It's like um, I think it's like an hour longer, but it's more it's more about the what the things are in the yeah, water yeah. and why they're doing it and things like that. And uh, yeah, that's a good recommendation. I like that. That's it. Like now, you not many people would have heard, probably even heard. Which is it. weird because it's a big blockbustery type film, but it's one of those which is kind of it's definitely one of James Cameron's most least mm. remembered, isn't it? Because especially if you did those between if you did that between Aliens and Terminator Two. A lot of people aren't going to remember that one no, in the canon not. of his filmmaking because he did Terminator 2 and then did he do Titanic and then he just freaking got ridiculous. Um, <laughs> oh, True Lies was in there somewhere. Oh. Did he do Sanctum as well? No, yeah, I think he produced it. That's oh, that other really? diving one, but he's, a freak, he's freaking obsessed with yeah. water now. I think he did The Abyss and he became ridiculously... Everybody started yeah. by his documentary show. Look how brave I am going to the bottom of the sea. It's like, no, just get some more aliens on the go, mate. Want to see some Terminators throw some grenades... Uh, but yeah, so go on. What's yours? And then? to wrap up, mine's actually a, a documentary, and it's weirdly a documentary and a thriller, because that's why I was thinking it. Because it's the first documentary I had that I watched it, like like a, like a uh, like like a thriller, because yeah. I actually watched it with like because it was twist and twist and twist, and it's basically the story of. Uh, let me let me get it up here. Here we go. It's a documentary centered on a young man in Spain who claims to a grieving Texas family. I know. That he is their 16-year-old son who's been missing for three years. I love this film. Yeah, it's, it's the, the... imposter. The imposter. It is amazing. And it's like watching it's a thriller. It's so good. Because there's this guy who he was like a small French guy so he could get away with being a teenage boy. But what's ridiculous is he's obviously he's really he must be really it must be, he's clearly got some serious issues dark issues but he also seems to be ridiculously either intelligent or just massive balls on him because there's all these there's these layers to steps that he's got to get through to keep convincing people so he was basically he was a homeless man he was and he was homeless and had nowhere to go so he uh, does it? He, he, he gets arrested. He and then hears he about, yeah, and he then, gets arrested, and then he does some kind of like um, Kaiser Soze thing where he's in the the police cell and he just sees like a kid, a missing child. Yeah, so, so they bring him to a police station and somebody leaves him alone in not like a interrogation room, but in like somebody's office. And while he's out, the guy looks through all his paperwork and sees the story of a missing kid, um, and he calls. And he starts phoning people like this. Uh, so he's no, he knows all this information about this moving kid. So when the policeman comes back in and he's calling Interpol or, or the internet, the te- somebody in Texas going, we've got this kid, he's saying 
and they keep asking him questions and he keeps answering everything right. And then um, other people leave him alone and he starts making phone calls to people in America about who he is and blah, blah, blah. And just so much, and he just keeps convincing all of these official government people. And then he turns up with the family and convinces them that he's his friggin', he is their son. And he's got different color eyes. Yeah. He's got, he's got different hair because he was like, he bleached his hair. He was, he put this excuse there because he'd been captured by some like slave. Yeah. Um, you know, like they'd done horrible things to him and they put chemicals in his eyes that changed because his story was so harrowing and that he'd been raped and things like that. People don't ask too many questions, do they? And they just welcome into it. But then you start finding that this family yeah. have got some dark secrets. I like that's the twist. Oh, I like I like that bit when he starts talking about the the twist with the family. And, and it's like something's did, not. Did quite the family do? Did yeah, the family really yeah, yeah. kill? Yeah. So it's just, it's, the imposter. It's such a good film. Uh, but that's what it's a. F- I'm not a big documentary watcher to be honest. But because they cut interviews with dramatization yeah. bits. But usually that's kind of cheesy when they do it on like TV type yeah, ones. It's very well it's done. It's so well made. And the actors in it are good. And it's so twisty and turny. Um, I just looked because I'm looking at an IMDb, IMDb then to the, uh, for the story. And it's 7.5. <laughs> and I never do it. But do you know when it tells you that you've rated it as well? <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving it a 9. No, I didn't give it a 10. Um, but yeah, The Imposter, that's great. Yeah. So, so anyway, hope... Uh, no thank. I was going to say thank you for your time, Keith. That's all right. No problem. Scott and Sean, they could piss off. Yeah. <laughs> Bombs. Bombs. Uh, and uh, <laughs> picking up families. Um, so I hope that helped, guys. Uh, we will see you next week with hopefully more filmmaking advice and and hopefully we might have some uh, breaking cool news, breaking news and updates on Patriarch Two. So thanks for your time, and we'll see you next time. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. To find out more about the making of Patriarch, follow the team on social by searching Patriarch Movie on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. Or visit patriarch-movie.com for more information. This podcast is sponsored by Zimplify, sales and marketing automation software that helps your business grow fast. Go to zimplify.com forward slash patriarch to get 20% off your first three months. That's zymplify.com forward slash patriarch. We're also sponsored by Mostly T-Shirts, Mostly.com. Fun and random T-Shirts and hoodies for real film fans. See if you can get the references. Visit MostlyT-ShirtsMostly.com to buy your next favourite T-Shirt. This podcast was produced by Wagyu Films.